Unlock More to Life with Adrian Pinozo, Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we broadcast interviews with successful real estate investors across North America to empower you on your journey to unlocking more to life with real estate investing. Now, now here's your host, Adrian Pinozo. You are live. So, hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here, super excited from the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you get more to life so you can start living the dreams of your choice through the power of real estate investing. Super thrilled today to have with us an incredibly young, extremely successful Toronto realtor and investor. At just the ripe young age of 29 years old, he is taking the real estate industry by storm and has amassed a huge following on social media as well via obviously running two podcasts himself. It's Simple Podcast and Price to Sell Podcast, where he aims to inspire others to think big, work hard, and strive to be the best versions of themselves. Incredibly young, successful man joining us today. So I'd like to welcome the one and the only Matthew Campoli. Welcome, Matthew, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was a very nice intro. So, yeah. Uh, sure off me? the charts there? Yeah, you sure that's me? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matthew, why don't we start with you? Obviously, I can talk for myself. I didn't get into this game until I was well into my 30s, almost actually late 30s. So you only being 29 right now and obviously had had some major success. Tell us about your journey. How did you get started and take us to today, so to speak? So I'll make a long story really short. I grew up like the standard, you know, kind of childhood. Go to university, old school Italian family, like go be a doctor, lawyer, accountant. There's really no other options. So time wasn't smart enough for those three. So I went to school to uh, study my passion, which was history. I loved history and I was going to teach it. And then while in school, accidentally, I just started barbering because it, it just kind of runs in my family bloodline, I guess, the skills. Started cutting friends of mine, cutting their hair. That evolved into a larger business for myself. And that kind of woke me up to the idea of I'm able to do something on my own and kind of scale a business with my own kind of skill sets. So that was cool because I didn't have an open mind to that yet. And that started to get me thinking. And I started to self-develop, read books, rich dad, poor dad, and realize, you know, there's money to be made out there. There's a thing called passive income. Mm-hmm. And when I was finishing university, I started asking very blunt questions. You know, like, what is a teacher's salary? What's the max they can make? And it just didn't suit my ambition. That's a personal choice, obviously. And I wanted to get into something that had no ceiling. So the barbering kept going really well for me. And then at the same time, my mother had just purchased her first home because we were renting our whole lives. And I saw the realtor pull up in his Mustang and uh, show the house. And I said, okay, this seems like a fun job. I said, I have this massive network from barbering. I can use people I know. And maybe, you know, maybe they're they're all going to buy a house one day. Let me try this real estate thing out. And then uh, that's pretty much it, man. So five years in the business now. And literally graduated university, got my degree, and just went right into real estate school. So essentially no background in real estate, anything like that? No background in business, entrepreneurship, nothing. Like I, I didn't even take 
like I said, no business course, nothing. Like I studied history, classical history. I wrote essays. Right. That's it. Okay. You've been in real estate as far as sales go for how many years? Five. Five years. And give us an idea, like how successful have you been in that role in growing your business? It's been amazing. Like I'm super humbled. I didn't, uh, again, it's just breaking through those barriers, like those limiting self-beliefs. You know, at the time when I first started, my ultimate goal was to make six figures as a realtor, right? And then my first year, year and a half, I hit that and I said, okay, maybe I can hit double this. And then the lease system started to grow and I started to break through these barriers and that allowed me to think huge. And that mindset, that belief has allowed me to really, really scale it because I'm a big believer in, in what your, your mindset and being optimistic and having large goals. And even if you fall short, you're still reaching a high level. So it's been amazing, man. Grateful for like, you know, all my clients, uh, my referral network's incredible. My network is just constantly growing. And then my social media, which was funny because I was told not to waste time on Instagram when I first started. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of my business comes from now. And just the recognition I'm receiving and, you know, speaking on events. I have my own podcast. Looking back at five years ago to now, I would not have imagined this. Awesome. Awesome. So I know, and I want to let the audience know, you're a big, as far as real estate goes and investing as well, you're really, really big on the pre-construction condos. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, condos are low rise, depending. Right now, a lot of low rise. Uh, Describe low rise. What kind of properties? Townhome, semis, detached. Okay. Yeah. So pre-construction is your thing. Why do you focus your strategy or your business on pre-construction for people out there? Like, quite honestly, I don't have a lot of experience in pre-construction. I obviously yeah. have a ton of experience in multifamily, apartment buildings, stuff like that. Tell me about pre-construction. Educate us about pre-construction. Why is it so fruitful for it, as an investor yeah, and a so realtor? From an investing standpoint, I mean, especially in a market like we're in today, if you're able to just secure a lot, you just pick a lot and you buy it. Well, depending on the project, it's been a little crazy lately, but with this market, you're not bidding against, you know, 15, 30 offers. The price is set. The builder sets the price. It's a million and 50. I want lot 10. I'm paying a million and 50. Obviously, the pros and the cons of the pre-construction, a big pro that I like, especially for first timers, is you're able to spread out the deposit. You don't have to throw down your 20% right away. You know, you can do 5% and then... And in 120 days, another five. And then sometimes they're really spread out, you know, another 240 days, 2.5% of that 20. And it's really spread out over, over the span of a year or more. You're able to drop some money down, save up more, drop some money down, save up more versus you want to buy resale today and you're using your own capital. You know, you're just starting out. You maybe don't have ways or creative ways of financing. You got to put down that 20%. At lump sum, I feel like it's, you know, that could be a lot harder for a lot of people, especially with today's price points. So that would be a, a very good advantage. And then also there's the assigning. So a lot of investors love flipping pre-construction. They will pick up one or two units, throw down whatever deposits required. Some builders don't require 20% upfront. They just require a flat fee. Like some project I've worked on, you know, you pick up a townhouse to buy the builder requires 40,000 down over eight months. And once that 40K is paid, that's it. You wait till closing for any additional 
down payment. And in that time, whether it's a year and a half, two years, that house is appreciating because the market's going, right? So when that time is closing, what a lot of people do is they won't close. They will put the house on assignment and then someone will come and pick it up off them prior to closing. So they avoid all the closing costs. They literally assign their paperwork to a new purchaser and they take their profits and move on to the next one. So a lot of people scale using the assignment method in pre-construction. If I can jump in, that that is really something I would personally be interested in because obviously, like you said, you can spread out your capital over various draws. Could be eight months, a year, over a year. You know, for condos, it's probably even more depending on when that, how much? Condos, 20%. That's usually the standard breakdown of five, 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 five. Over how long though? Over a span of time. A month or sometimes a year or a year and a half, a year and a quarter. Recently, some builders in Toronto have been doing 5% a year. There's one project that's released in the East End, 5% a year for the next four years because the condos are, they close a lot later, right? So a lot of these dates are 2025 if you're buying now. Next year, they're going to be 2026. So when you're buying condos, it's typically a lot longer. When you're buying the freehold residential properties, low rise, typically about a year and a half, two years. Obviously, it's subject to delays, but we're just talking on paper, year and a half, two years. Okay, so someone like me, and this is where my interest lies and maybe a lot of other investors out there that are listening. Someone like me, obviously, I have already a ton of mortgages and I don't qualify for more mortgages on the residential platform just because my, my debt service and whatnot is over leveraged, sort of speak. So I would be interested, you know, if I have capital, I would be interested, for example, walk me through it. Let's just say it's a very simple example. They low, I'm just going to buy a townhouse as an investment, but with the mindset I want to assign this deal because I can never close on it because I can't get financing. Yeah. So hundred percent, I know I'm going to buy it. However long down the road, I'm definitely going to have to assign it. Yeah. Who helps with the assignment? How does that all work? So upfront, the first thing to look for is you need to verify with the builder. Are they allowing assignments? Some won't. And it's good to know that information up front. Sometimes you may not know until the lawyers do their thing because during the conditional period of an accepted pre-construction deal, a buyer's lawyer is going to will request an assignment clause be added to the agreement, right? And some builders will accept that at a fee. So they'll charge, just like condos, they'll charge five grand for an assignment, 10,000 for an assignment. And once that's agreed upon, at least that clause is in there and you know you can assign it. So at the point you're allowed to assign the property, because there will be a point where you're not allowed and a point where you're allowed, typically closer to occupancy. Right. Yeah. Once that time comes, then you have a realtor, just throw it up on assignment. You can use a realtor like yourself or myself or, or any realtor you're working with to put it up on uh, MLS, for example. Uh, depends, depends. Some builders will allow MLS, some builders will not. So agents who do a lot of assignments, we have very big exclusive networks, Facebook groups, email blasts, so like, you know, through email campaigns with uh, other agents, that's the, pretty much the only way to market an assignment if the builder doesn't allow it. They're still very effective. These groups are massive, very, very active realtors on there all the time. And instead of posting on MLS, you're posting in the groups. You're still posting all the information that needs to be known, all the photos, if you have any floor plan. And then it's a little more plugging away, but in the end result is still usually a sale. Right. 
and more often than not, do more builders allow you to go MLS or most builders won't allow it? What's the more, more will not allow you? Yeah. Some agents will still throw out an MLS and get that warning. At least they got that exposure, but it's not recommended and more builders will, will not allow it. Will not allow it. Yeah. You know why? Is it just they... I can't answer that because I don't know exactly for what reason, but yeah. I do know that these exclusive networks that I'm a part of are super efficient. They can definitely produce a sale with the amount of agents that are involved and active. And on the other hand, not just listing agents who are listing assignments, a lot of buyers find interest in buying assignments because typically you can get it for a cheaper deal too. Right, right. It, as opposed to if it ever hits MLS, you're yeah, most likely going to yeah. pay more. Because a lot of people don't want to close. So they're a little more motivated to sell. They made their profits. So they're willing to sell the property at a bit of a discount because they're not covering those closing costs now, right? right? So whoever picks it up has to cover the closing costs. So assignments will always be sold at a bit of a discount. And again, if you find the right person who really needs to sell, I've gotten a couple of my clients some very good deals on the purchasing side of assignments. And again, like we're active as buying agents on those same groups looking for these assignments. So it's both sides on these exclusive networks, just really communicating and interacting. Right. Okay. So walk us through an example, kind of numbers that the audience can relate to. Let's talk numbers. What's the most profitable assignment, whether it's been a low rise or a condo that one of your clients bought and then assigned it, give us a ratio like, Hey, the best deal my client had, in an assignment this year was 200,000 from more than what he bought it for. Yeah, so like one of the low rise projects I did, it, it goes with the market too, right? This is pre 2021, mm-hmm. um, this year, but you know, some of these properties close to 300K Profit. in equities. Yeah. Are you talking low rise or condos? Low rise. Condos will do good too, but just specifically this year, low rise have been flying. Like freehold properties have been really killing it. You know what I mean? Uh, not really, no, outskirts. The outskirts have been doing really well. Right, right. A lot of people, that's all they can afford, right? So give us an idea. Let's say the builder hasn't broken ground yet. So you're going in at phase one, let's just say. Typically, how long are they locking up? Let's say the down payments, 20% over, what does it usually take? A year, year and a half to build? A year and a half, two years. So theoretically then some of your clients have made two to $300,000 in equity in capital that they've been able to source and get out in a year and a half to two years. Yeah. Especially currently. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then yeah. they unload, they offload the property obviously on an assignment and then on to the next and the next and the next. And do you have a lot of clients that that's all they do? They just rinse and repeat, repeat, repeat. It's going to happen more. So for the stage of, in my career, I'm doing a lot of the purchasing side. When these houses close, I will be on that listing side a lot more. So I'm bringing these deals, the pre-con deals to my clients and giving them the access. So I'm in that interim where they're locked up. They're going to be closing this summer coming up. And then after that, it's going to be that cycle, right? So, so you'll still be involved on the back end yeah, now with the assignment, right? Yep. So it's like a, a realtor standpoint, it's kind of a, you know, you get your double end that way. You get your, your commission from the builder because they're still right. going to close. Whoever picks up 
the, the assignment is still going to close. You're still going to get that commission, but you're also going to get that listing commission as well. Right. Right. So as on a realtor standpoint, yeah, it's lucrative for you too, because you're essentially, like you said, you're double ending it. You're going to get have just the front and the back. What? Yeah. I have some realtors who will go through me because I have the access. I'll take the commission for their client because they know that they're going to get the commission on the assignment side. I'm closing. They'd rather their client get the access guaranteed, get the property because they know they're going to make their 2.5% when they sell the property. So yeah, there's interesting ways to, to look at it. It's, it's a pretty cool game to be in for sure. Amazing. Most of your deals then are and the access you have for the listeners out there. Obviously you have a, a good access point to these deals. Are they just in Toronto or are they all over the GTA, York region, Oakville, Burlington? Like where, where are most of your deals coming from? More so on the outskirts. So I do work with, when it comes to condos, I can get access to pretty much any project because I do have partners I work with who have the access. So I'm big on collaboration with agents. If I can't get access to a property myself, I'm not going to be, you know, you know, have to be all prideful and try and get a deal when I know for a fact I'm not getting access to this project. So I'm very, I have a lot of platinum agents, they're called, a lot of pre-construction partners that I will reach out to. We share the commission. I bring forward my buyer. I know for sure they're going to get the property they want, which makes me happy. And that's how I do it with Toronto condos. And then when it comes to the townhome semis detached, I'm very grateful to my broker of record. He owns my company. He is the one that works with a bunch of the builders and in turn helps grant access to people like me or other people in the office. He's one of my biggest mentor figures. And one of the reasons I'm in the pre-construction game is because that's how he does all of his business. It's all pre-construction. So when I first started in real estate, I was exposed to it right away. Awesome. Yeah. Now, back to the, the questions about that, the, the, the pre-construction stuff. Let's talk this year because we're pretty much at the end of the year, 2021. How many pre-construction deals this year did you do? Approximately. Say close to 50. 50 deals. So you're 29 years old, 50 deals in real estate, pre-construction, which I think goes towards obviously your level of experience first and foremost. And secondly, the access you have to this information, which for example, I don't have that access, right? Because obviously you know what I specialize in. So even somebody like me, I wouldn't try to reinvent the wheel even somebody like me, I would just come to you and say, Hey, Matthew, you know what? I have a client or Hey, Matthew, even myself, you know, I have X amount of money to play with. How many can I buy pre-construction? And then obviously you do your thing, so on and so forth. We always talk about the good, right? It's always good, good, good. So let's talk about the bad. In 2021, have you had a client that lost their shirt? No, knock on wood. If you want to talk about night, like any cons to pre-con, yeah, is, let's do that. You can't access that equity right away. So, like for someone like yourself, you like to leverage, like to do the Burr method, refinance, yeah. right away, move on, scale. When you're buying pre-construction, that down payment's locked up. Yeah, you're building that equity on paper, but I don't even like to talk in a negative way. Let's just talk a worst case. Yes. Property 2021, 2023, or late 2022 when it closes. What if the market's down? Take. Right. Right. Now you close right. on this property. And again, you don't have to sell it, to take the loss, but on paper you're down. So 
that would be like a major con and that's an extreme case. I mean, we're pretty bullish on the market right now, but that would be one of the negatives associated with pre-con is just not being able to leverage that profit and use that to scale. You have to wait to access Until it. Until you close. Yeah. And then obviously, not, yeah. Exactly. You're not on title yet, nothing, right? So. Yeah, you got to wait to close or the assignment goes through successfully, blah, blah, blah. And then you can capitalize after that. Exactly. So on that point too, Matthew, I mean, at the end of the day, people understand what they're getting involved in. You don't have a crystal ball, right? I don't have a crystal ball. You can make some serious, serious money here in this pre-construction game. But I guess the only risk, I guess, is if the market happens to take a two or three or five or 10% correction during between the purchase and the, and obviously the closing or when you want to assign it, you could potentially, yeah, you could potentially be down or, I mean, historically real estate in the last 20 years has always continually, continuously gone up. Yeah. Nobody has a crystal ball, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're investing in real estate. That's the name of the game. Yeah. So, Obviously, nobody's really lost their shirt because this whole year, prices have just continued to climb and climb and climb. This year, anybody who bought a year or a year and a half ago and was closing this year, they're probably super happy. Is that fair to say? 1,000%. Yeah, they've done very, 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 very well. Like you said, upwards of two to 300,000 in equity now that they have. Okay, so I, I kind of understand that. I don't have a lot of experience in the pre-construction condo market. On average, let's just use York Region, right? Let's use York Region, for example. On average, off the top of your head, approximately, what's a one-bedroom condo pre-construction going for nowadays? In Bond? Yeah, let's say Bond. Around 1,100 a square foot. And typically, what's your entry level? 700 square feet, 800 square feet? No, uh, you can get a junior one bedroom or, or just a, a bachelor for 400 and change square feet. Okay, let's say a decent size, a decent size. You can live in? <laughs> yeah, a decent size one bed. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, 550 square feet. So whatever the quick math on that is. 550 times 1100 is 600,000. So on average, you can get a small entry level 700 square feet for 600,000 condo. And then that's, that's pretty fine. Again, that's that's priced out four to five years from now. So if you go resale, it's completely different price per square foot. You know, you're paying a premium when you buy pre-con because they're pricing it for 2025. So the idea is, you know, what that's, does that mean? They're pricing it for 2025. Does that mean when it's going to be ready or? Yeah, well, they're predicting future pricing based on current resale pricing. So because that's a unit you're going to attain in 2025. You know, they're going to add a premium because of the, the time it's going to take to get built. You know what I mean? Typically, by the time it actually comes, you're going to be up. Yeah. Let's just do this scenario quickly. We're getting into the game, whatever, 770, yeah. give or take. One bedroom condo in Vaughn, York region, 605,000, give or take. So what kind of down payment? Let's, let's do this quick hypothetical scenario. What kind of down payment would a builder typically want to see for a condo purchase like this? Like what increments? With the paperwork, depending on the builder, usually five or 10 grand with the APS, the agreement of purchase and sale. Yeah. And then you're going to be given 10 days 
they call it a grace period, so conditional period, for your lawyer to review it. And then some builders may request a mortgage pre-approval letter, although it doesn't mean anything. It's only 90 days. They still need to see something from a bank. So within that period, you're going to have a lawyer review it, do what they got to do, because it's a stack. Pre-construction is, is a lot of paperwork, right? And then once you firm up, within 30 days, you pay the balance of 5%. So 5% of the total purchase price minus that 10K of the initial deposit. That's your first 5%. Within 100%. Sorry, you lost me there. Do that again. The 10K was with the offer, the APS. Yep. So then everything's good. You're going you're gonna to firm up. Now they want, what did you say, 5%? Yeah, the balance up. So you already paid 10K towards the 5%, the first 5%. Let's just say it's 20%, 20 grand in total. So it's 770,000 times 20%? Yeah, divided by four. Is 154. Yeah. Divided, divided by four is 38,500. Yeah. So if you put down that 10, 10 grand with the offer, within 30 days, you owe the remaining balance of 28,000 to make 38,000. Right. And then the next full 5% will be due in 120 days, the next full 5% in 240, and then the next full 5%, sometimes on occupancy. Sometimes builder will extend that last 5% all the way to 2025. So I see. Okay. Yeah, okay. You're only tying up 15. Every builder is different. They all have their own deposit structures. As of late, though, that's typically what it looks like. In this scenario that we're talking about, a 700 square foot condo at $1,100 a square foot, 770,000, we're just using this play scenario. So we're four draws essentially to get to the finish line. You're $38,500 a draw, but that gives you a total of 154,000 over the course of potentially how many years? A condo again, this is condo. Four to five. Four to five years. Yeah. Stretched out. Stretch out. Right? Right. Okay. Yeah, deposit would be typically, like I said, it's usually 5% in 30 days, 5% in 120, 5% in 240, and then 5% at that occupancy period of 2025, like that four to fifth year later. So, right. So, 15%, the and then you chill out, chill out until that last 5%. Right. Okay. So three draws only, and then the last draw at the end. Now, can you assign that condo before the last draw? Yeah. So essentially, that's good. I'm just trying to break this down for everybody to kind of figure their pocketbook. So 38,500 times three is 115,000. Yep. 500. Right. Okay. So that's really what you're locking up for potentially two to three years or whatnot before you can even assign it. Exactly. Let's say Bob comes in and wants to pick that up off you on assignment. Bob has to come up with that 115500 that you paid to the builder and deposits. Yeah. Give that to you. And let's say you sell the unit for 870000 and he agrees to that. Bob's also got to give you the extra hundred k in profit up front. So in order to assign right. that, you're going to get 215500 Bob takes over the agreement, and now Bob has to pay that remaining 5% on occupancy. The rest right. is in Bob's hands. That's it. Got it. You walk away, the rest is in Bob's hands. Got it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. I think there's a lot of value there with what we talked about. 
because quite honestly, I, I really have zero experience. And it's something that I've been actually contemplating on maybe putting some money in, like kind of diversifying. Obviously, right now we do a very, very high level of apartment buildings and fourplexes and triplexes and whatnot, but it's always good to diversify a little bit and have something else on the go. So I just really wanted to understand that. And for anybody out there who's listening, whether they had that much knowledge in it or not, and now they have a little bit more. So for listeners out there, and I always love to ask this question, because every professional, successful person like yourself, even at your ripe young age, has a different view on things. For listeners out there that are eager to get their hands on their first investment property, let alone potentially building an empire, but their very first investment property, what advice would you have being such a young person yourself and successful? What advice would you give them on buying that first property? Well, like how I got my first condo downtown, I, I partnered. And just power and partnering, especially if uh, you're, you're new in your career. Like if you're just starting out, you're one year in your in your business or respected field. The bank usually wants you know two years of guaranteed guaranteed income or or right. however they want to look at it. So if you're able to get a strong co-signer, that helps. If you're able to partner up, that also helps. With the price points we're at today, and I'm just speaking to first timers, young people like me or younger. You know, just getting started. If, if you want to ride the wave of this market, don't be scared to partner up with somebody you trust. I think that's the best advice I can give because there's a difference between getting a foot in the door and making half of that equity as you grow or making nothing because you're not getting in at all, right? So I think, again, just speaking to the younger generation, partnering up with people you trust and joint venturing is super powerful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, especially if you're looking maybe to partner up with somebody that obviously can help with capital or even more somebody that has experience. Yeah, because I remember when I I bought my first investment property at the age of 36 and it was pretty intimidating for me as well. Thinking, oh, my God, because I leveraged my house in order to buy that property and started with a home equity line of credit and so on. So it was actually pretty intimidating. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? I just lost everything I have to do this. And what if this and what if that and what if the tenants don't pay and blah, blah, blah. But Partnering with uh, somebody that has a ton of experience, like yourself or myself, can really, really ease the anxiety of, I'm going to lose my shirt, I'm going to lose my shirt, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Get in the game, essentially, is what you're saying. One way or another, just get in the game. Because it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. Right, right. So, let's get to the end of our lightning round here. I always ask everybody these questions and it's, it's really interesting to see how everybody has a, has a grip on them or what their, their thought process is. So Matthew, when you see yourself more to life for Matthew Campoli, tell us what you see. What's more to life for you? I said before, I've broken through a lot of belief barriers for myself and I'm at that point where my goals are just insane. I think there's more to life than just working in a nine to five every day, especially if you don't like it. And I'll, I want to say if, if you love your job and you enjoy it, that's all that matters. But if you are kind of waking up every day and dreading the work, dreading traffic, dreading all this, there's definitely more to life out there and anyone can essentially chase their dream, right? It's just the difference of doing and be obsessed with what you're doing versus that fear. 
right? And a lot of people just get stuck behind that fear wall. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is, happiness is on the other side of fear, you know? So I don't know where my life's going to take me. I don't know if real estate, being an agent is, is where I'm going to be my whole life, but I definitely love what I'm doing right now. I'm using it as a vehicle to take me wherever, whatever life has planned for me. Very open-minded to like every door that comes my way and I walk through everything and uh, it just keeps everything exciting for me. Do you mind sharing with us some of your big, massive goals that you've referenced a couple of times? Like, do you want to own your own Skyrise? Do you want to own 17 Ferraris? What's your, what's some of your massive goals? I like impacting people. Like, uh, you know, if you want to look at like a number goal, my first ever goal on my whiteboard, which seemed stupid to me, which, which was 100K. Then I moved it up to 250. Now it's 100 million. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it's everywhere in my condo. I have it written on sticky notes in my room, on my whiteboards. So I'm just like programming my mind for that number. However I get it, I have no idea how, but I feel like, you know, I just believe I will one day. And when it comes to, you know, ultimate goals for myself, I think true fulfillment comes in helping others. And through things like my podcast, and I have other things I'm working on right now where I can really positively impact. My goal is 1 million lives. So that's Amazing. kind of the numbers I use. Yeah. And Amazing. Yeah. And I think you can probably do it because you're obviously very young. You're 29 years old. You've done obviously very well in this game thus far. And to set a massive goal like that at your age and have that mindset. People typically, you know, in my realm, a lot of people I know and work with and realtors, investors typically haven't adopted that mindset well into their 30s where it's like the light bulb goes off. But given you're, you already have that mindset at such a young age, I mean, the world's your oyster, really, at the end of the day. You can pretty much conquer anything you want, right? And like you said, what's that saying? Uh, happiness is on the other side of fear. Amazing. Amazing. Last question. Last question. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you like crush it and do everything you do? What's your why? Probably my grandparents and my parents. Just because, again, I come from an Italian family. So my, my, my grandparents, they came straight from Italy, worked the hardest jobs you can imagine just to make a buck. And then came my dad, and then on the other side came my mother. They dedicated their whole life to me, essentially, both working just, you know, your average jobs, and, and they're still not ahead. So if I can do anything to, like, give them the life they've always dreamed of, because I know they're not living it right now, and all I wanted was my grandparents to see me do well. You're very close with your, your family. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason I'm here, right? So I definitely want to be able to give back, and I know they have their own little dreams. That they've never been able to see yet. Yeah. 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 So I have to do what I gotta do to get them there, essentially. Awesome. So obviously you're you're a family man and family is very important to you. And being able to help your family and show them and help them with your success is obviously part of your why. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I'm the same way. Uh I started with nothing as well, although obviously my past being a police officer and whatnot, I, I had a decent job, but you know, I wasn't one of those guys that my parents gave me a hundred thousand dollars and put it in my bank account and said, go Adrian, go start buying real estate or yeah. go start investing or go do whatever you want with the money. That never happened. 
basically started from scratch myself. And, you know, on a personal level too, family is very important to me as well. So yeah, I think it's just maybe our European background and Italian as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, Matthew, it's been amazing. I really appreciate the knowledge and thank you for joining us. There's a ton of knowledge here on that pre-construction. There's probably so much other stuff that you know that we didn't have time to get to, but everybody out there, when and if, and I know you will, want to pick this young man's brain again and talk to him about some potential deals coming up, because he's obviously got his finger on the pulse with pre-construction, how do people get a hold of you, Matthew? Quickest way, probably through Instagram. It's Matt Campoli. So just Matt at M-A-T-T Campoli, C-A-M-P-O-L-I. And my number's on there. So if you just want to reach out and call me, very quick phone calls. If you want to DM me, I, I will get back to you 1,000%. I get back to everyone. So yeah, that's the best place to reach me. Cool. So yeah, anybody that wants to talk to Matt, maybe get on an email list or a pre-con discussion with him about what he's got coming up or how he can help you. Instagram, Matt Campoli, and uh, send him a message. He'll get back to you. And obviously for us, anybody that's looking to invest in the multifamily space and learn how to grow an empire of real estate properties and units, give me a call as well or reach out to us. We're all obviously all over social media or our website is www.investwith epc.com and i'm sure we can help you with anything you need but match your pre-construction guys so on that note obviously this is our last episode before the the christmas holidays and christmas day and whatnot so on behalf of us and obviously matt merry christmas happy new year happy holidays and uh, we wish you nothing but health and success for 2022 I think that's it, Matt. Thanks again for joining us. Have a good holiday season. And uh, we'll chat soon. Definitely. I really appreciate it. All right. All the best, pal. Thanks.